Welcome back, Steven Spielberg. Welcome to the Mushroom Movie Podcast, everybody. After a hello, everyone. I'm uh, hand sanitizer on here. Coronavirus is killing everybody. We're not dead yet. We'll keep we'll keep updating. Not a fact. That's not a fact, guys. Just you know, assuming things. We're not saying hard facts. Don't take anything we say like we don't know. I don't know it. We are not journalists nor healthcare experts, though. If you do want to follow my advice, heroin's the best way. Um, wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So, um, so spawn the spawn the series whale and it landed on Indiana Jones. So this will be a short four week stint for us until we go back to whichever we decide we go back to. Um. News. We start with the last dark. I wanna, I wanna just get this out of the way real quick. Uh, but this is important, and I know Chris is gonna want to probably is gonna punch himself in the face for not remembering this one. I wanna. Nope. No. I. I I'm drawing a blank. The Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. got pushed mm-hmm. back till November. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah but don't do that. The Black Widow's new release date is November, and then they're just kind of pushing everything back. And then they announced Captain Marvel 2. That I did not know. Nice. So that's 2022, I think? Get better directors. What what do you mean, get better directors? Directors that are more suited to the job of a Marvel movie. What what do you mean? What? They're doing this because of coronavirus, Chris. No, I mean for Captain Marvel 2. Oh, sure, yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, okay, so, yes, I get what you're saying. Like, um, I think it's hard to find people that can do action and tell a story well with character development at the same time. David and, Leach. Um, yes, but he can't do everything. <laughs> random. That was a random. That was a random Hail Mary. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm really good. I... I there are people that we want everyone to do everything, but like I want we the whole thing about Marvel and Disney at this time is you got to scoop up the young ones. Like that's the whole reason the guy who made Cop Car, which I highly suggest people watch, is the guy who's making the Spider Man movies. And although I don't think that those movies, I think those movies may have story problems for people. I don't think that they're made poorly. They're shot really well, and they have ten, they hold attention well, and they get performances and like. I don't think John Watts is a bad filmmaker. And he was a good guy to get early. So I think they should get early people, but you got to get, you got to scout. You got to keep your eye out. That means audiences have to keep their eye out too. And the great thing is all the movies that would be in festivals now are going straight to stream services, some for free. So all these people are about to get a bunch of like eyes on their shit real fast. And like the what people I, are going to be talking more to them. To actually talk about this and, and obviously, you know, we're, you know, the funny thing is, is people are going to watch like stuff like this in the future, 20, 30 years to look at, talk about what life was like during, during this very, very, or I would arguable dark time that we're in. I mean, we're in living history right now, but um, I would say dark. The time of uncertainty and the time of pandemic. Um, but anyways, to, to get on the, the point that I'm talking about here, though, what I think is really interesting is Disney's decision to not just bring these movies to Disney Plus when everyone else is moving into that. 
Denmark. Because we all know that like it isn't gonna last a year. We know it's gonna get it's back. Just... We know we're gonna get back. We know we're gonna go back. And the thing is, they still want to believe in theaters, and theaters should survive. Like it's an experience we all appreciate. It's why we, we all wanted to work with one in the first place. We should preserve it. We should hope the theaters survive this. I do think it's great that like people are sitting at home and watching stuff that's like online have been sitting there forever. And that's stuff that won't get looked at in theaters is gonna get a chance at home to get eyes. What I think is gonna be really gonna be interesting. One at a time, kids. Sorry one at a time. Yeah, I just I, I think we should I it's hard to say what's gonna happen. And who, well, where should where should we put our faith in? Should we put our faith in these movies that people cared about in the rhythm that we were caring about them? Is that excitement going to come back when we all realize in the real world that like loved ones have like passed and our jobs are in trouble and our economic like life is in like or do we care about superheroes anymore? They can't come in and save us right now. That that was the whole point of nine eleven and like Jason Bourne. That's the whole reason that we stopped making movies like John Woo films is because like, oh, life came in and woke us all up. Now all of a sudden our movies are shaky cam and fairly realistic. That's what's gonna happen here. Like we're gonna lose a bit of our fantasy or we're gonna dive right in. And maybe people sitting at home diving into this stuff and Marvel stuff is gonna make them want it more. And maybe we're just gonna realize that can the movie contagion is the thing we should be watching right now. Yeah, it's I mean, really how the world's going to react to this, and most likely it's going to be we know what the real world's like, and it's not like Marvel. There are no superheroes anymore. That's usually what you walk away from on a societal level from something like this. I think what's going to be interesting about this is that, and I'm hoping that at the end of this, when this is all said and done, and there's a vaccine or there's a therapy that solves a lot of this, is that people go out to places of public, so movie theaters amusement parks, uh, state fair, you know, in, in droves. I think, I'm hoping when this is all said and done, I mean, I'm hoping that every theater and every movie and every screen is sold out. And yeah, I, I agree. I hope that we can have experiences like The Room and Surfer King Confronts Fear again, like to go in a theater and watch a bad movie or to go in a theater and watch Endgame. Yeah. I... I, I'm getting this feeling like it's going to happen because people are going to want to get out of their houses and they're going to want to do things. And I think it doesn't matter what those things are. I think restaurants are going to have two-hour wait lines because <laughs> there's just too many people want to sit down and eat or whatever. You know, I think I think the industry is going to get overwhelmed. And there's going to be a lot of money going into it really fast. Um, and our stock market's going to surge, but... I think that the at the other point, the, the other end of that is that that doesn't happen because people will be scared to spend money. People just can't spend money. People don't have the money to spend. Yeah, absolutely. Or more importantly, let's just take all that real world stuff out and just get like fancy and all like movie talk. It's like, what is the what are people going to want from the content? Are they going to want that superhero stuff that they were thinking about before the coronavirus? Are they going to like? Are they going to be still interested in that? Are they going to want something new? Like, where is their mindset going to be? Are some characters going to be too late? Like, yeah. should they put that stuff out now and move on? Should they be starting to make that TV stuff now? 
Should they be making movies and thinking of directors that are aiming towards what it would look like if it was on streaming service immediately? And then start thinking about putting films out in theaters and streaming services at the same time. Yeah. People will go if they want to go. Oh, I agree. I think it's the matter of is does the market want to go? Um, and I think that's what Disney is really looking at right now, truthfully. is what they're like. What, what I, I don't know. I don't know if people are going to care about the way that Marvel has been telling them, making their movies recently. Like, Chris has a point. Like, we, maybe this is the perfect time for them to, like, shift filmmakers, shift styles, change story elements. Maybe it's too late. Maybe they stopped their train so horribly that they're, it, it will be getting a bunch of films that don't look right. And then they're going to find their place again. Like, yeah, I I'm think... so interested in how stuff is going to look that we was supposed to be coming down the train. Right, DC was doing well. How does this affect DC? We'll see what happens with Wonder Woman 1984, I guess. Because that was supposed to come on my birthday. I don't think it's going to happen now. It, I don't believe it is. And then we also we have Batman after that. And I don't know what the other films are after that. But Shazam 2, I would assume. Aquaman 2. Probably an Aquaman 2, uh, Suicide Squad. No, I never heard. What? Suicide Squad, no, I never that's heard. Right. We don't... Probably. No. Yeah. Um, there'll be a, probably everything that's done well or reasonably well so far will get sequels in some form. Um, I'm sure that Birds of Prey 2 will get a sequel of some kind. Um, and I know that they really want to do Flashpoint still. They they really want to do that. So that's not off the market right now. And maybe Flashpoint, a story about someone trying to go back and change the past and realizes he can't do that, is the perfect kind of storytelling right now. We'll have a better shot of the Snatter Cut these days. What? I think we have a better chance of the Snatter Cut these days than a Flashpoint. Well, no, I, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Uh, I I don't disagree, mm-hmm. but I think like that kind of storytelling would have some real meaning with what's going on with coronavirus right now. You can't change the past; uh-huh. you just got to move forward. That is true. People fucked up, and they, it caused a lot of death and a lot of suffering. But we'll get through. Our species always has; it always will, and will come out of this in some way. Yeah, this kind of makes me think of something like how, like, The Dark Knight Rises and how that probably would be really, if I watch that right now, how that would just, like, feel really prescient. Just, like, or at least affect. Like, it would remind me of what we see out there. Yeah, I think that we need some very lighthearted storytelling that maybe either blocks away all the darkness that's going out right now in the real world, or maybe we need a reality check. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Outside of the Marvel and the DC and all that other stuff, getting their stuff back. Um, anybody else have anything? Not really. I did have something that I remembered is not quite significant, so... What, what was it, Chris? It was that the Knives Out script got posted online some months ago, and I forgot to mention it on the show. Now I really wanted to mention it. Now I think it's not that important. <laughs> no, I mean, that's funny. Well, no, I mean, it's a good script. People should read it. Yeah, it's a great script. I Fuck! haven't read it, but I'm assuming it's a good script. 
a good looking script in terms of uh, direction, but like yeah. the, certainly what comes up on screen is very good. Also, um, I would say Bill Withers died, and if yeah. you don't know who Bill Withers is, go look up his songs because you already know a bunch of them, and he was amazing. So, yeah, God bless him. Rep. Um, oh, you know what I did rewatch, Alex? I just thought about this. Oh, I did watch something. Finally, I watched <laughs> Kill Bill. I rewatched Kill Bill. Both oh of. yeah, yeah. I always loved returning I, to that. I and then I, I watched this video on the history of um the 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 teacher from the second one, the dude that like made her punch the the wood thing a bunch of times. He was kind of yeah. Uh, yeah his, how, that character's filmic history and all that. Yeah, which is really interesting. Same thing with the guy who makes the sword, yeah. Oh, Hattori Hanzo. Yeah, and how he's used in other movies. Yeah, like Tarantino just didn't care. He's like, I'm using Kung Fu's cinematic history. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I did watch that. I forgot to talk about that when we were talking earlier. You asked uh, me something. Uh, you asked me something earlier that you were gonna ask, that you were gonna start Battlestar. You didn't yes. know which one to start with. Yeah, 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 yeah. The miniseries or the the actual series. So, um, obviously, as you know, it's based off the '70s show. But what you what you start with in this thing is the miniseries, and then a year later, they start the first season. And the okay. first episode is really good. Very, very, very well done. Highly recommend. You okay there, Chris? I'm sorry. I, I, like you said, it was based on the 70s show, and I heard it as, it's based on that 70s show. I'm like, oh, no, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, like Eric Foreman plays a Cylon, and you don't know it. He's in a red dress and blonde hair. <laughs> and Mila Kunis is definitely not real. <sighs> It's been a day as and a half. As is the only human, and he's also not even really human. I can't explain it because it's all in the prophecy. Is he like Data from Star Trek? No, he would be a Cylon if he was a robot. Remember, Zach, who the who the f is a Cylon is the name of the game for that show. I'll say Data. Data announced Cylon. No, he's just an android with feelings. Not no even Brent not even. freaking Spiner. Anyways, the guy from Independence Day. God. Anyways, you know the one uh, that was in a coma. No, we're not gonna remember that. So yeah. Um, so I, with my uh, sweet mother, watched uh, Jumanji two finally. Really? So what did you think? Yes, it was. Uh, it was um, really good. I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. Um, it was just like a sweet little like adventure flick. I'm like, that's great. That's all by I needed. Way, I didn't need much out of this. By the way, Chris, Jumanji 2 is Jumanji 3. There was not one. It's no, not that one. I'm talking about the first one with The Rock and Kevin Hart and Jack Black and Karen Gillan. Oh, which, is technically, which is technically... The second one. Well, it's also technically the third one. Sir! Trying to keep over me. Have you never sir. heard of the third one? You didn't know there's a third one? 
didn't know you didn't know that there, it actually goes Jumanji Zathura. Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. Jumanji two, back to the Are jungle. Are they actually all in in the same universe? Um, but it's not really. They don't really say that, but Zathura is pretty much the exact same story as Jumanji, just a space adventure. Like, watch it, well, guys. No, I know just... that. I've seen Zathura. Also, Zathura was uh, uh, what's her, uh, Kristen Stewart's uh, uh, opening film. I'm well, I'm not sure about that. That'd be pretty cool. Um, but I, I also mean, it's, I don't know how that movie is. But regardless, I think the books say that there's sequels. I don't know. Same oh, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, the first same. one was in Flintstones, Viva Rock, Las Vegas. Huh. Um, <laughs> anyway, the Jumanji movie is weird. Anybody have anything else? Nope, I'm good. Uh, not really. Book! Oh, we're going to talk about this, huh? Yes. Chris, it's just them trying to make but it's got to be studied what? and made public what? what they tried to do. Yeah, obviously. They literally tried to fix all the problems of the movie. I must study this in great detail. That's fine. I'm doing that slowly. Well, Chris, make sure your studying of this book does not interfere with your studying for our weekly podcast. I watched uh-huh. the movie. Oh no! He, I, my, the stuff I brought to the table was not necessary, <laughs> and you didn't even watch all of it. There were suggestions. Like I go extra mile every time. That's the thing. But like, no, 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 no. I watched the adaptation. I didn't watch the videos about the adaptation. That's the thing. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'll get to that stuff later. Anyway, Chris, go ahead. I'm gonna say the same thing as Zach, but I'm gonna be more funny about it and loud and angry. So you just bring up the points, and I'll vary my anger level silliness. So deep down, um, I don't. <laughs> okay. I'm my my anger about about Rise of Skywalker is endless. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not endless. I'm like I'm still I still think it's a bad movie. So you still think it's a what? No. Bad movie. Dang it, well, guys. You know, actually, sorry, real quick, Chris, before you, you start this. It won't be real quick. You just, no, 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 no. This is actually really quick. Alex and I were talking about Indiana Jones before we got on the call. And uh, I made an admission to Alex about a movie that doesn't exist in the franchise. And what was that admission, Zach? Uh, that I'm pretty sure when it comes down to it, and I actually do see Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it's probably not going to be as bad as I always claim it to be. <laughs> I think people overhyped the badness of that movie. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I I think I think while like Rise of Skywalker is also very crazy and not ah! good, I think I give it a lot of shit, more shit than it deserves sometimes. <laughs> I think I think my the pettiness of what I don't like about that movie will subside, but the big chunks are still. Oh no 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 no! The big chunks deserve it, but there's the pettiness that I I say about it. Uh, and I, I, I don't even say some. There's a <laughs> lot of pettiness that I put in on that movie. That, yeah. that. So, <laughs> given me, it's not know. frustration, it's fascination. Uh, no, 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 no. There, there's so, pettiness. Yes, difference between you, uh, you and us. Yes. Um, I'm fascinated with what this movie. Does. Given, given a couple years of letting it simmer and like fade into existence, basically. Uh, 
when I go back to it, which I will eventually, I'm sure I'll watch it and I'll be like, okay, this wasn't as bad as the first time I saw it. But it's still bad. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that with the, with Skywalker too. But I but the difference with me and and that Indiana Jones movie, I'd say, um, for it's me from you, would be that I liked that Indiana Jones movie when it came out because I didn't care as badly as the Star Wars fans do about these movies. I just like the Indiana Jones movies. I was like, I want more. Give me more. I don't care what you give me. Like, Spielberg's making it. Harrison's back. Marion's back. Let's just do this. Who cares? A- anyways, Chris, on with your your, your talk about okay. a book that is... Please! Um, I'm jumping at the bits here, guys. I, I get it, Chris. I just wanted to mention that real quick, because we were ah! the Skywalker, and me and Alex were talking about getting with a crystal skull earlier. <laughs> So. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, Chris, I'm going to go get a snack while you go on your, your rampage. Okay, so recap. I did, the first three, I did the first three chapters last time. Um, so basically, all that you really... So if you want it in detail, you can go back and listen to uh, the last episode as soon as I get it up. Um, so it's not as subtle. It's less subtle than the movie. By a considerable margin. Um, it's... Early on, it's constructed differently, like, from scene to scene. And the and the thought I had um, earlier this morning when I was working, as I do, I just go on autopilot and I think about things. No, it was yesterday where I was just amazed at Chapter 4, which, is, which are the only notes I have because there are so many notes on Chapter 4. Like, Chapter 4 explodes, Alex. Um... So, like, I'm serious. It just it, it explodes, and um, it's just like at novelizations. Sometimes, like the ones that I've read, like go along with the movie and add smaller details that make the story better, which I'm sure is what happened with the Last Jedi. I'll have to I'll have to do some study on that too. Um, but this movie needs more detail than any other novelization that I've read. And it's doing the same thing that everyone else does, which is not enough. And the answers that they do give are crazy. Um, so it, there, there are gems here. There are things that make what this nothing. Um, I'm just getting started. Uh, oh, <laughs> so you may want to get this. You may want to go like take a crap or something. Um, oh, okay, Chris, I'm gonna go play my Warfare 2 campaign while you go. Yeah, yeah you go in your PS4. Um, <laughs> so basically, so yeah, just um, it tries to. It's adding just a little more, but not much. Um, so I picked up on the end of chapter three, where oh yeah, when Kylo Ren reforged the helmet because it looks cool and is a symbol of, is and is a symbol of his power. Mm-hmm. Chapter four, which is the only notes that I have because it the book explodes at this point. Um, this is a small boom. So small as I'm boom reading, big boom. Like boom, like big boom. To me, it's a big boom. Okay, so yeah, early on in chapter four, um I c- kind of realized. Um, like when Poe, like, uh, Poe, Finn, and Chewbacca touch down, 
at the resistance base and they have that dialogue exchange. Um and um so hold on, let me get to it. Let me just let me, sorry. <laughs> I have to get to it because I have to explain I have to like I have to just like put this in front of me. Um so when they touched down and they had that dialogue um, between Finn and not Finn and Ray, Finn Poe and Ray were they pretty much yelling at each other and Poe okay so it's like so Poe is like maybe you should be out there with us and um, Ray is like you know I want to be and then Poe is like but you're not you're here training for what you're the best fighter we have. We need you out there, not here. Close quote. Um, I kind of real so I wrote all this down verbatim. I'm in my notes. Alex, I think this is the point where I realized they they're Poe is the anchor point for the ignorance of the Last Jedi. For this movie's ignorance of the Last Jedi. This is what I wrote down in my notes. So um, quote, this is more of an overall observation, but why is Ray... Well, okay, so I had an existential thought. I was like, why is Ray actually training on Agent Claws, um, the planet that they're on, the jungle planet, uh, instead of being in the field? She's proven to be capable on her own. Isn't it, is it because Leia doesn't think she can control the Force with her current state? Which would make sense. Um, but that I, that answer would come later. Um, <laughs> you know, like, you know like, the real answer is I do know that I do know what the real answer is. People could but not accept the fact that we didn't see her train because she can't just be a natural talent at the force. They needed to see her train. Alright. Um but I can give you the book answer later. Um <laughs> uh, it's really mundane. Uh if that's the case, Great then why problem. doesn't Poe, the leader, know and recognize this instead of being vindictive towards Ray? Did he learn nothing from The Last Jedi? Didn't we beat around this bush in the last Jedi where he was unsure of himself as a leader? Then he does. Then he does in the end what he wanted to do the whole time in the last Jedi, which is go and fight the First Order. Like I'm talking about the Rise of Skywalker. In the end, he just goes and fights them with no real concrete plan and very little resource. Very little re, with as many resources as he's probably had, and like a lot of people died. But then he lucks out. I, like, holy cow! This. Wow, that's where I that's where my eyes were opened to like this whole new like shape. It was like this movie doesn't bury the last Jedi too badly. And then I read that and then I had that thought and I'm like, this is nuts. Um like this this is insane. This is this is crazy. I, I know like, you're you're talking I'm, about I am awakened now. The force has awakened, guys. Like, <laughs> I am I am alive. And all seeing to all of this BS. <laughs> Chris, I, I know oh, you yes. just had... that's the first time. Oh Chris. my god. I haven't Chris. even got started yet. Chris. <laughs> did you see the animated summary of Duel of Fates on YouTube? Yes, I did. I did. That movie is better than Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and it's not good. Please. <laughs> All right. And that movie isn't good. I did not see that. You should. It's really yes, funny. Yes, Mom, I am on my podcast. Thanks for asking. Um, 
I love you, Mom. <laughs> um, I love it. So, Chris, honey, you don't need my to next. Scream. My next note for chapter four, in all caps, this is fan fiction. Yes, yes, it is. Because, um, we get to the. We get to um the whole scene where they where Poe is like Palpatine's back, and that whole scene is written like I recognized my own like writing from my Kung Fu Panda fan fiction, Alex. Like I recognized those tendencies. I'm like, no, this is a this is a professional author. Yes, and I, do, and I am waiting for the point in this book where there are bamboo under fingernails, but I I am. <laughs> An inside Chris, joke. Chris, I've read lot, better lost joke. fan fictions than uh, what you're describing in this book. <laughs> you guys don't know. Maybe don't I've read a lot of lost fan fiction, especially in 2009 in the lead up to season six. I read an entire breakdown of what they expected the sixth season to be with all the spoilers running through and everything. And do that fan fiction was nuts. The end had a giant fight between the man in black and Jacob and a bunch of other shit. And it was crazy. And it had smoke monsters and weird shit. And it was crazy. But that's still better than this. Well, here's the thing. You said your note is this is fan fiction. Who do you think a book, a novelization of The Rise of Skywalker, would be for anyone other than fans? It is literally... Fan fiction. Yep. What you're describing is bad fan fiction. Yes. But it's based on the time pictures. and money kind of bad fiction. Chris, Chris, you're literally, if you just straight up told me in the book that there was I'm a sex scene, like more of like the if, whole thing. Literally, is there's fan a Yahweh sex scene. Now, now I will, I will say, Chris, that it is important that you are seeing the depth of how far that both this book and Disney and this last film will go to just bury The Last Jedi, for sure. Yeah. But, but no, is... I'm just saying, specifically with Poe, I didn't realize it until I read that line in the book instead of realizing it in the mo- seeing it in the movie. It's insanity. No, they really want to bury Last Jedi. They don't want to. Ah! So, next note that I made. That Which is sad, the last day is great. Um, this is more of like a weird like note that I made. I just wrote down Plagueis was in fact Palpatine's master. Yeah. I was like, okay, yes, that was a thing, but I was in my head just thinking like maybe it would, it would be better if he wasn't, and that was just the tale that he just used to manipulate Anakin uh, with okay, whatever. So uh, I think you're right. That's- Point. It makes the universe broader and bigger. It makes it seem like Sith are bigger, that not everything is connected to this one simple story that you have. And when you do that, it actually makes it really kind of boring. Yeah. The actually funny thing is, is from what I've heard about uh, that specific thing, is that this Sith master that Palpatine's referring to is a Sith master he had. All right. The- My parents are talking outside. Go ahead. That this is a Sith master he had during the twenty year skip yep. between Revenge of the Sith and um, A New Hope, because we know that Plagueis dies right uh, between uh, 
Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones during that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he died way before that. No, no, he didn't. Um, we uh, know, uh, dude. No, I'm I'm calling a challenge. I'm calling a challenge. There's no he way. Think of who you're challenging right now. I want you to think of who you're challenging right now. Gentlemen, we got a Star Wars fact challenge. Chris against Zach. It's going to be a brawl. Okay. We've got another Zach coming up with a fact that I personally do not know the answer to. Therefore, I cannot confirm. 32 BBY, my dude. 32 BBY. That is is immediately after Phantom Menace. (laughs) He like incorrect. incorrect. That's incorrect. You got to subtract ten years. Thirty-two BBY. Thirty years. Thirty-two years before the Battle of Yavin. Okay. Now we're gonna do some simple math here, right? I want you to sit down and get ready and take some notes, right? Okay. There's nineteen years between Yavin and Revenge of the Sith. How many do you have left? Um. There's nineteen. Yeah. Let me actually do math. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Mass. <laughs> it's gonna be a brawl. Thirteen years. Thirteen years. Okay, subtract it's ten because years. between episode one and two is ten years. Between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones is ten years. Three. So he was killed at least three years before Phantom Menace. No, I can go to my Read the Darth Plagueis novel. Chris, 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 you're forgetting about the three years of the Clone Wars between Episode Two and Episode Three. All right, you know what? Let's just let's keep going. Let's just. <laughs> no, I'm keep Wait. researching. I'm gonna keep researching. I'm gonna keep researching. Wait. We're gonna keep figuring. We're gonna figure this out. Chris, We're gonna keep figuring this out. No, no, damn it, no. Got some steam there. <laughs> Awesome, Steve. You want there? I'm like a dog. I don't know everything that's going on right now, but I'm like a dog in a room that understands the tone of the conversation. The that Wikipedia uses. You can you can verify it with your own eyes, Mr. Chris. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna send you Wikipedia's reference on his death. I sent it in our chat. Dang, things just got quiet. Hold on, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the defeat of the brawl. The argument was a good one. Just read, just read the post. It's I'm reading Wikipedia. <laughs> it's Wikipedia. That's what I know. Ladies and gentlemen, Dead Air. Dead Air brought to you by Dead Air. Uh, good band. Um, they're mostly Polka Metal. Very good at it. It's like... He is Talented. scary about this. No, I'm not upset about me yeah. being potentially wrong. What's freaking new? <laughs> he screamed. He's mad. Well, okay, so wait. Who's right? I'm right. Okay, so my next question. Who cares? Excellent question. Love it. The two Dark Lords. Uh, is he researching this? I think he's researching. No, he's, it reading, he's reading the thing that no, I. No, Phantom Menace was thirty-two BBY. Yeah, that's when he died. It was during Phantom. Was like off-screen during Phantom Menace. Or the title. Technically, you could justify it as like between the end of Phantom Menace and Tackle Clause, whatever you want to describe. 
So sometime when Anakin, sometime between Anakin was growing as a child, uh, teenager, a creepy yeah. teenager. Yeah. Very Anyway, the Sith alongside his apprentice for the title of Darth. Even the remaining place of the world. And you're saying this book just no. legit confirmed that he was the teacher now. Well, this book that doesn't confirm anything. That well, doesn't confirm book, anything. This suggests that Plagueis died before the Grand Master. Plan- menace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did we just hey. argue for nothing? No, what I'm Wait, getting at is, yes! Chris, let me finish. It's hard what to I'm saying at is that there is likely Palpatine likely went to someone to look for more Sith information after Plagueis' death. That person could be the person that they're referring to in the book. That's what I'm getting at. But the, you, okay, so forget all of that. Chris, you're saying that he is confirmed now to be the teacher of Palpatine. Yes, he was Palpatine's master. Teacher, yes. Master! Same thing! I don't know if I'd say a master and a teacher are the same thing. Oh my god. Well, yeah, no, he's kind of right. You can be the master of something and not have to teach anybody about it. I'm I think a master just, of being badass. I would I don't say, say the term teacher would be a better suited to what this person is rather than a master. You could be both. You could be both, too. Anyway. Comes- yeah, yeah. Anyway. I, I don't know why we just spent a minute on that. Anyway, um, so we're still, we're still next going. Thing. Next thing. Next thing. Hold on. We're calling it. We're calling in a lifeline here. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> He's living out of prayer. You're so excited, but you gotta get your notes together, man. Cut, like, breathe in, deep breaths. You got your notes? You got this. Chapter 4 explodes, right? <laughs> we, we, <laughs> I, you okay, got to read out I'm loud, bro. Living room. Okay, Dad, one of my, one of my esteemed colleagues on the podcast is being a dum-dum. I need you to confirm for me if... You remember if Plagueis died before the Phantom Menace? Um, you read the book, Dad. Sorry, what? From the book, it's, I'm going to be honest, son. The book says that Plagueis was alive during Phantom Menace. Holy! <laughs> my gosh! Thank you, Mr. Rose. Thank you, Mr. Rose. Your son in this place. Sorry, I could you repeat that last bit? Repeat that last bit. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Just repeat the last bit. Alright. During the book, the book that I read suggests that Sidious was still the, uh, 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 well, uh, uh, Plagueis was the, uh, the master and Sidious was his, uh, was his Padawan. Yep. Okay. Confirmed. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming he's referring to the book Dark Plagueis. Dark Plagueis, right? But he went to go see him. So you just What's her name? Wouldn't let him see him. Thanks, Dad! <laughs> I know, Dad. I know. Thank you. Goodbye. Enjoy Star Trek. Uh, Very nice night. to hear from you. Very nice to hear from you. Guess. Tell that tell <laughs> <laughs> His lifeline is his father, and his that father proved me right. I got to be honest, Chris. That was pretty dramatic. Pretty dramatic stuff. That was one of the most thrilling arguments I've. I've seen concluded in a long time. That was like a courtroom case. I gotta be honest. Nice to hear from your father. That was awesome. That was so, interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was amazing. All right. That was Shout beautiful. Here's the thing. Uh, which are canon and which are non-canon. Plagueis is not canon. I don't think it does. He, okay. he is non-canon. You can decide. That's what the book that I read. The, uh, the, the, the Plagueis novel, yes. The, the Plagueis novel. The book hmm. that, I read, that said that he was alive during Phantom Menace. And yeah, that, that book, that book is in between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clone. Yeah, Sorry, what's that? that? Book is non-canon, but it's non-canon. Uh, it is non-canon, but honestly, the book was like generic enough in what it was describing that there's no reason to say why it couldn't be non, why it couldn't be canon. Let me rephrase. Okay. Um, that Zach says thank you for making me look like an ass. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that. I said I was, putting your son in his. You always tell me if there's canon or non canon. I don't know. Yeah, I that's, can pretty much decipher that. Yep. Yeah, but the Plagueis novel, that's what it says. I'm just okay. being honest. I'm just okay. Really this is not officially made clear to me. I just figured, honestly. Can I ask one thing? Can I ask you one thing about canon? Do you think the holiday <laughs> special is canon? I mean, we all have our own opinions, but do you think the holiday <laughs> Special's canon. I'm done. I'm done. This is our last episode, everyone. I can't carry on after this. I'm just having fun with you. I'm just having fun with you, buddy. It's nice to hear from your father. That's amazing. That's awesome. So, me. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm no longer the Star Wars aficionado. We're done. Oh, I'm done. Like, but, I'm going to yeah. finish. I will finish giving you notes for this novel. I will read this novel through. And then I will read this novel through. I will take notes. I will give reports as often as I can. But after this, I'm done. Because I clearly don't know a thing. I am clueless. Chris, Chris. I am can just... I, I am a fool. I, I just I can never win. Like, <laughs> like I just am wrong all the time on my own show. And I thought, like, this would be a great time. You know, just... This is just insanity. This is pure no. insanity. This is my living nightmare. I was excited. <laughs> To come onto this show because I get to talk to other human beings, like my <laughs> friends, and like here I am. I am supposedly the Star Wars guy for all of you. And oh, I are. failed. I am. I am a failure. I am a complete failure because I don't know anything anymore. Obviously, you know. I have a complete lack yes. of information. That I thought I could bring to the table, but clearly that was wrong. Obviously. <laughs> Plagueis was alive during Phantom Freaking Menace. I can't believe it. That doesn't make any sense. But, Why is that a thing? Why is he alive at that time? It doesn't make... It makes it so 
less interesting if it's not as old. Like, you're talking about a guy who cheated death. And you're telling me that that this didn't that he didn't kill his master like 50 years prior? That sucks. You're telling me he only killed him like 13 years beforehand? Oh my god. That's gross. That's Are you kidding me? That's bad. It's just more on top of it's more bad on top of bad. And I am an idiot for thinking that this franchise could do it better. It sucks. It all sucks. I know nothing. I'm a dumb idiot. I hate myself. That's not no. That's not true. Chris. Chris. Do you see what you do to me? Count to ten, Chris. Have this one thing. Hold on to it. Say I know my stuff. And it has been taken away. Ah! That's two meltdowns in two weeks. Okay, Chris. All right. First of all, it, these are good, uh, man. This stuff out. Get it with people who can take it. It's all right. Oh, now, here's, here's what uh, I'm going to say. Uh, here's what I'm going to say. Do you remember? Do you remember? First of all, you will never, ever be the smartest man about Star Wars. There will always be someone smarter than you because that universe is so old, so in-depth, so deep. You will never. That's what's so great about it. There's always something new to learn. But I know about it most people I know. That's not I'm true sorry. anymore. I know the least. So who cares? Why do I you- do too much? That's my problem. Yeah. Okay. Now, since you know that's your problem, why don't you try to fix it? I'm not saying fix it immediately. I'm saying try to work on that, man. Because <sighs> look, you know what I find interesting. The fact that you think this failure is interesting. I think failures are interesting all the time. And from a true fan, that's what I'm looking for for something like this or the holiday special for you to tear it apart. I'm just, don't get yourself mad because you didn't get something like that Plagueis stuff wrong because you're right. It is less interesting. And B, think of Indiana Jones, man. Think of that guy. You know what he thought? He did believe in that superstitious hocus pocus. And what did it do? It killed Nazis for him. He punched Hitler. He did well. I mean, I don't remember that, but like, I'm talking about him. I'm talking about him. Like, <laughs> I remember. Kill Nazis for him. Angels kill Nazis for him, and he didn't believe in that crap. And that always turns into his favor in every single movie. He's always wrong, and you know what? That's all right. Sometimes you are right to think that it would be more interesting. If I'm that's fine. Your- I'm fine. Good. Okay, hold on, Dad. Hold on. What? <laughs> what is it, Dad? Did you resign into Netflix on your Xbox? Yes, I did. <laughs> I did resign into Netflix on my Xbox. Dude, I can't sign into Netflix. I can't, I had to pay for Raiders. My family thing is so screwed up right now. I'm I'm right in the same boat as your father. This stuff is confusing. Alex, if you want, I can give you access to my Netflix. No, I want access to my family's Netflix and where my playlist is, but like it's being super weird, and I couldn't get it in time, and I had to pay for Raiders. It was felt bad. Five felt good. That does feel bad. Oh, Chris, Chris, I, I, I want, I want you to ask your dad something. Actually, it's about the holiday special. I already asked it. It actually up. has nothing to do with Star Wars. Okay. I, I want you to ask him because this is a, this is the true test of things. What's his favorite Star Trek series? 
Um, ooh, that's a good question. I think it's next generation, honestly. Ooh, that's a good choice. The correct answer usually is, oh, is let me ask him. hard over Kirk, but original series yeah. generation. But it's still a good answer. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. Yeah. Original Are you still movie. in the apartment? But but again, Zach, next is hey, what next is the guy who makes Battlestar. I know, I know. Well, Deep Space and Nine is like so mediocre, though. I'm sorry. Well, Deep Space Nine is after Next Generation, right? I have no idea. I've only seen Dad, Next Generation. Um, on Love's hold on, guys. Guys, guys, quiet, quiet, quiet. Dad, um, yeah, okay. Zach would like to know, what is your favorite Star Trek series? My favorite? Um, Star Trek st- series, Dad. Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, but fun, though. Uh, I, like, I like mostly all of them, but I'm old school, so the old school Star Trek... Okay. Good choice. Okay. Who's your favorite captain then? Okay, Dad. Then who's your favorite uh, Enterprise captain? My favorite Enterprise captain? Yeah. Oh man, dude. Mom likes Picard. Yes, it's Picard. I love Picard. Picard. He's Kirk. He's Kirk. He's Kirk, guys. All right, thanks, Dad. Makes sense. That makes sense. Tell him thank you. Oh, Shatner. Yep, I will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. All women love Picard. All men want to be Kirk. <laughs> okay. That's great. <sighs> Sorry. Are you all right now, Chris? No. I'm, oh, I will never. I will, I will not recover from this. All right. So. Sorry. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> hey, man. No, as long as you get it. You are never sorry about anything. No, but this time I knew I was right and I was ready to fight for it. <laughs> I could have sworn he died before. <laughs> it's the better option! It is the better option. No. no, Chris, Chris, you're absolutely right. It is the better option. And what's really interesting, actually, when you think about it in this new light, is when he tells Anakin in episode three about the legend of Dark Plagueis. Yeah, tell me more, Master. Tell me. Let me prop my legs up on my desk. Let me just... Uh, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. Just let him finish. What I'm saying is that when he's saying that, he's talking about something that he did like 10 years prior to what makes that lie that much more seducing. Because he makes it seem like it's 50 years ago when it only happened like 13. And that's what's mm. most damning, I think, about that whole thing and what makes him seem more like a devil than anything. That, that, that means that you could put that out there, that he's being more cunning about making it sound like a myth. But it doesn't make it any more interesting in general. It doesn't make the universe more interesting. It makes no, it happened like recently. No, you want you want this shit to happen like a long time ago. You want people to learn from this stuff. You want it to be passed down like it's like Game of Thrones. But no, it's like Star Wars is all like this. It's like two families that happened in this like one little chunk of time a long time ago in the galaxy. It's just so narrow minded. Oh, I agree. All right. That's cool Chris, to have your dad. Yeah. Cool guy. Anyway. I mean, right. it did work. It was cool. Next note. I wrote down, Ray knows everything. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. So, 
it appears like nothing ever happens. Yes. Um, it would appear. <laughs> so, okay. So it appeared that Luke found out, so, like, I guess this isn't really that big of a deal, but I just find it hilarious that, or just fast. Okay. I keep using that word fascinating, but I just like, it's just so weird that, um, so they were like, okay, so this is when Ray is like, like t- pulls Leia out from the meeting when they're all talking about Palpatine's back. Um, and she's like, you know, I know how to get to Exegol because your brother wrote about it in the Jedi text. And then Leia's like, the, tell me. This is from Leia's point of view. Also, they don't add any dialogue or any extra, anything extra to this moment. Like, not any extra dialogue for Le- for Leia's part. Just nothing. They just let that whole thing tell them, uh, like, go. Which is weird. Um, I feel like if they were going to add any small things to make the story better, it'd be with Leia. But that doesn't come until, like, that, that's like here and there, apparently. Then it becomes um, new. Then it becomes a headline the next day, and then everyone's talking about it, and then everyone's talking about like what it would have been in the movie, and then they just keep. It just would have been a lot. Yeah. No um, ruffle. So let me see here. Let's search for it. They found it. Oh uh, wait! Oh, oh wait! Oh no! I got to go backwards. This is back when. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. So this is in the, in that room. This is uh before that. Um, so Ray leaves the meeting secretly, like she sneaks off and goes to get the, the Jedi texts. And so it's so the book says beside like um, like Luke's notes had mentioned that she had Palpatine. That Sheev Palpatine had been obsessed with the idea of living forever. He'd claim to, he'd claim so Luke Luke, he'd claim to Anakin that, he'd claimed to Anakin that, he'd discovered the secret of eternal life from his own master Darth Plagueis right before betraying and killing him. Luke had assumed it for a while meant to tempt Anakin. The okay, never no, sorry. Um, Luke had assumed it was a lie meant to tempt Anakin to the dark side. But, if, but what if there was some truth to it? So Luke knew about that little story about uh, Darth Plagueis. And I'm fascinated as to how he found out. Oh, it's super simple. You know how, like, at the end of the last movie, Anakin shows up? Anakin is a ghost, but just like, and then he told me this crazy story. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, maybe I should go to the dark side. Luke's like, what? Just... It was so weird. It was so weird. Um, all right. That, that was like... Okay, so next... Okay, next idea. <laughs> um, so we go to... So you remember that scene in the... Uh, like in the... You don't remember that. Like that one shot in the first trailer where Leia is, appears to be handling like Han's medal. You know? Kind of like observing it. Um, we're at that okay. moment in the book, in this story. Um, and it's basically a, um, it's a dialogue between Maz Kanata and Leia. And Maz understands that Leia does, the book is like, 
um, hey, um, Leia's dying slowly because oh. of being in, being ejected into hyperspace at very high velocity. Sorry, not hyperspace, just space. Um, oh, wait, what was it? Is that the... So, okay, so page 52. Let me see this. So, okay, so... You wait. absolutely disoriented me. So, I am everywhere right now. So, actually, at the end of the dialogue between her and Ray, when she's like, I will take your life, I will, I will, I have to, like, like, I have to go. I have to go and do this. And it explains that... Hold on. So... Now, okay, so here's what the book says. So Leia's like, no, you can't go. Uh, yeah. Ray wasn't, so the book explains. Ray wasn't ready. There was so much left for the girl to learn. If Ray left too soon, she could be drawn to the dark side, blah, 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 blah. Um, so then later on, it's, it was like, but Ray's eyes continued to plead with her. Um, Leia had to face the truth. Ray needed more training. It was true. But the real reason she couldn't bear to see the girl go was that she'd grown so deep, she had grown deeply fond of her. Luke had told her that the Master Padawan bond was strong, but he hadn't warned her that she might that she might come to see her apprentice as the daughter she'd never have. Um, so, in answer to the question, why didn't why did why was Ray stuck on that planet for four months? Leia didn't want to let her go. Is the book answer? Not surprised. I mean, I. I just assumed she was training, and when you're training, you don't leave until you're done training, or unless something big and important happens. Unless it became that over time. I mean, it's just things that would have been rounded out if Leia was actually there. They would have had a scene where Leia would have been like, you're not ready, or I don't think you're ready. And she would have been like, she would have said something about that. Like, yeah, sure, that all would have been in the movie. But, um... It's just like the whole point is that people didn't think that Ray was a natural talent of the force. So she needed, we needed to see her train. She needed to train that she did like that. She couldn't just be good. Naturally. The force couldn't have just awakened in her the way that Anakin was born through the force. Like, no, that couldn't happen. She had to have training. I understand that you could have ended the movies with Leia being her master after Luke dies and having a bond and forming that. But like, I also think that that would have been on par with her going out and like building a resistance also with Poe and Finn. Like, I just like there's other things you would have done with the story that could have paired with her training with Leia too. And they just couldn't do it. But like to fill in that gap and say like the reason she didn't go was because Leia didn't think she was ready because dark side force stuff like that. Like, that would have made that made more sense than she, totally she didn't want to see her go. She was totally kicking Kylo Ren's ass every time. She's more than ready. She's fine. Like she didn't need to train in the first place. That was the point of the last movie. She was good. She was the spark. She would like go out there to other planets and show people that you have the force and you can defend them. She should have been like the last airbender going different places and like, like setting villages free and shit. Like, God, I don't. <sighs> anyway, also, yeah. I, next, like, I training for four months. Yeah. Next little note is Leia did not know about clone Snokes. 
Which, okay, fine. I just wrote that down because it was just... Nobody clone Snokes, guys! Snoke was a clone! If they knew they were clone Snokes, then she wouldn't have been like, he, my son was seduced by Snoke. They wouldn't, she wouldn't have said that. Like, ugh. So, the reason nobody... Also, another note. Next note. First, the first... Okay, so, the reason nobody responded to Leia's call, according to the book, was that the First Order used scare tactics, scare tactics and the like to snuff out Leia's call and dissuade anybody from answering it. Which makes sense to me, because that's what the, like, the, the, um, the last novel before Rise of Skywalker came out, um, Resistance Reborn, was actually about. So. Hmm. Oh, that reminds me, I better get that. I need to get that. I need to bring that. I need to bring that book back in here because that make that brings me to an important point about Poe later on. Um. So page fifty six. I made a note of this. Um, dialogue between Ray and Rose. Everybody, and it still was too brief. Um, <laughs> it's basically um Ray just saying like, "Hey, thanks for fixing up the Falcon. You're a great help." They. Rose hugs her and just like, yeah, you're a good friend. Blah, 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 blah. Fan fiction. Tiniest implication that Poe wanted to go with them on the Falcon to to steal Ray's moment from her. Tiniest implication. Um, that brings me to a point about Poe. Um, that he seems like a dick in this movie. Yes, but actually, hang on, hold on. Um, Alex, start singing. I need to get that book. Hold on, I'll be right back. Chris is gonna look for a book. If you don't know what a book is, it's a tree that died and was chopped up into many pieces then they put print on it print of words that said stories that were fact or fiction who knows maybe it was pictures of naughty things right, tell your parents you ever so so in the book star wars resistance reborn which is not a fan fiction it's just a bunch of like non-movie elements of the last like five years of Star Wars storytelling crammed into one book. Um, and it was actually pretty good. Oh, man, I'm sweating. Um, wow. So Poe is recruiting for the Resistance, and he goes to talk to Maz Kanata, who is at a space spa. Um, wow, they just really did not know what to, to do with her. Nope. Um, but what is she going to do after her entire Catholic goes down? She goes to a spa. Makes sense. At least to me. At least to, at least to me. Um, so there was this exchange of, let's see here. That's when they recruited Wedge. Hold on. That was a, that was a thing. Um, and so basically it was Maz explaining to Poe why she said uh, so Maz 
In this book, Alex, get this. In this book, Maz says no. No to what? Joining the resistance. And I think <sighs> basically her argument was I shouldn't have to. Wow. Well, that is a that is a massive, massive dump on the last movie. Um oh it gets better. Um with at least Pup. There's a moment between Poe and Finn. I'm going to describe it later. But, um... No homo? Maz is like, I'm not helping you with anything. Um, essentially. And so... So let's see here. I think you're... Hold on, let me see here. Crying for short of hands. Um, didn't you... So basically, I think this is our argument in a nutshell. Didn't you say there were only a handful of you left on a single ship? What needs could you have? Every need in the world? Well, Leia did say towards the end of that movie, they have everything they need. That was Leia's words. I I don't understand. Am I kind of like breaking you here? Because it's like... And, okay, basically the gist of it is I'm not joining you because you need to step up. Is basically what Maz is saying. Like, you need to step up. I, sh- I will not do your job for you. You have to step up. Is basically what she's saying. So that's why she said uh, no. But then we see her in the movie. And this whole book is about Poe figuring out what it's going to take to build this resistance back. That's through penance with his squadron, whom he had to admit his failure to and own the responsibility of wiping out the resistance in the matter of hours. He didn't do that. He took responsibility anyway, Alex. I'm just telling you what the book is telling me. Anyway. But he did he didn't do that though. That's like you don't understand, Chris. This is these are the these are the these are problems that they think these characters need to go through and conflicts that this, this book thinks it has, because this is the bitching and complaining of all the worst fans of this franchise. That's what they think Poe did. It, that they think Poe did that, but the movie starts with the resistance getting wiped out already. He was in a last-ditch effort to try and stop one ship, but at the end of the day, like, they were always going to get narrowed down. There was nothing stopping them. Their plan that he tried to stop was always in motion without him. Like, that's what they don't get. I. This entire book is fueled by the nerds that should have... They, they've ruined it, man. That's why this okay. movie exists, is because this book writes for those people. <laughs> there is no, get ready. Right. No Alex, Chris? Alex, hold on. Hold on. Zach, 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 Zach. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Alex, get down from the tree and sit down for a second. Because what I'm about to describe to you is going to piss you off. I think it's going to piss you off. I'm not sure. So they were going to... So in the end, latter half of Resistance Reborn, they were going to... Um... Also, it was in Resistance Reborn where Maz talks to Poe, not in The Rise of Skywalker novel. Just to make that clear. Um, it's still too cold to be out of the tree, I gotta say. It's not spring yet. So, we'll take heart. It's gonna be 57 tomorrow. Um, 
Nice. There is a moment in Resistance Reborn where they have to go undercover as gun dealers, um, as they do. Um, and they're about to they're about to do their thing. And they're about to walk out and assume their roles. And Finn is in the bathroom, like, wrecking stuff. Like, he's getting pissed. And Poe is like, you all right, buddy? He goes in there and Finn's just staring at the mirror. And he notices that his, like, his tie is undone. And he's just like, and he turns and looks at Poe, like, kind of just like, a, like this pain expression, like, I am at a loss. And then Poe teaches Finn how to um, tie a bow tie, which I thought was, which I thought was pretty, I thought that was like, okay, that was my indication. I'm like, okay, this is happening. Like this, they're, they're shipping this. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm on board. Like, let's do this. Let's, let's get it on. In the movie, they just throw it away. You thought because a guy was teaching another guy how to tie a bow tie. Listen, that was clearly the the direction that Resistance Reborn was taking. It was like, this book was saying, this is happening. And it was at that moment where all the dots connected. I was like, okay, this is what they're going to do. Then they didn't do it. So I'm guessing this is fan service. And they just did it. Can I ask you a bigger question, which is, why is it okay that Finn is just destroying bathrooms? Because he can't tie a bow tie. I think it was. I don't know. That's screwed up. Is that a public bathroom? Say what now? Was that a public bathroom or somebody's house? Uh, No, it was like someone's stolen yacht. Oh my gosh, come on. That's like the best place to go. No, borrowed. Borrowed yacht. It was actually wasn't stolen. Borrowed? Come on, man. Come on. (laughs) Man, Finn, come on. He's not calling Ray. He's not doing good. Apparently there was like a table in there. I don't know what that meant. Oddly designed bathroom. Back to the Star uh, the the Rise of Skywalker. I just thought that was so weird. Anyway, just that's okay. So the moment where Poe is like, "You need to be out there, not here," and I was like, "Okay, now my eyes are open." The moment where there's a tiny implication of okay, where what, what was it? Hold on. It was. Okay, so page 56. Okay, so I'm here. Um, hey, Chris, see. I don't want to I don't want to be the guy that says, but could we could we move no! on? Okay. okay. Hello? So, it's okay. So, po, okay, so the Chris, so like, are you there? Like, are you serious? You're serious. Hello? Wait. Hello? Chris? Am I not being heard? You there? Are you serious? Are you Am there? I not heard? Oh, you're trolling me, aren't you? Zach, no, you? no, I'm not trolling you. I, I, you're breaking out for a second. Can you hear me now? Chris, can are you, you okay there? Can yes, you I hear can hear you now. now. Yes, I can hear you. Kind of. All I'm saying is the moment that I read this where they were boarding the Falcon and Ray is just like, no, I got to do this alone. And then like and Finn is like, yeah, alone with your friends. Ray, Ray looked around at them, the book says, 
Poe was giving her an arch look, as if daring her to contradict them. Okay. Yeah. Poe has not changed one bit. Is all I'm saying. That broke me. Broke me. I was like... Anyway. Um... Um, and it also, Ray knows a lot about the galaxy just because she was an orphan of Jakku. I mean, I guess if you're place where a bunch of people are going to go to it, yeah. We're in like a travel, it's not place, sure. Um, next note would be Maz convinced Leia to give Ray the Skywalker lightsaber. Because Leia is slowly dying. Hmm. Um, okay. Almost done, I promise. I don't believe you. Okay. Um, okay, so, Alex, do you remember our episode last <laughs> week when I described that, uh, that shot, right? Or it was two weeks yeah. ago. I described that one shot um, when yeah. Ray is just looking out into the down to the base and Poe's like what is it? She's like nothing. We now know what she was thinking. Wow. She was observing everybody saying their goodbyes. She saw C-3PO say goodbye to R2 and she saw Rose say goodbye to Finn say goodbye to Rose. That's what she was thinking about. Also, green is your favorite color. I mean, uh, if they put that in there, that'd be hilarious. Um, I, I think that is actually a pretty smart thing to do. It's like a nice moment to look at a movie and be like, ooh, I can have a bunch of characters say goodbye here. Like, it's, a, it's just weird. It's weird. This whole thing is weird. But it makes me realize um, I kind of am interested in the world of novelization of films now. Do they all do this? Do they all pick uh, scenes? Is this choices of the writer specifically? This can't just be Disney. They pick the yeah. guy who does it often. They have to be. Um, it has to be someone who's novelized stuff before. So I'm like interested in what this world of writing is actually like. Because that's hilarious. To me. So, last bit. Last little bit. I, I, so I dipped a little bit into chapter 5 and put an exclamation point because chapter 4 was the longest chapter I've ever read in any novel ever. This is the funniest thing I've ever I've ever seen. General Hux, General Armitage Hux. Mm. My favorite character. In his in the third person, he dunks on Kylo Ren's hair. He hates Kylo Ren's hair. He would. He absolutely would. Huck he does. Yeah, he would. Quote the book. Hux distrusted masks on principle, but he was glad for Red's because it spared him the indulgent assault of the Supreme Leader's hair. <laughs> Dude, I gotta say that Hux is on point. You know what? All the movies, he's like the most... Like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's on point. He good. It's, it goes on. The conservative. 
Un- it keeps going. A good leader led by example, and Ren's hair was the furthest thing from regulation. A small detail, to be sure, but details mattered. And this one represented everything Hux hated about Ren. He was the exception to everything, outside the rules, disordered. When Hux finally took his rightful place as Supreme Leader, the first thing he'd do was make Ren cut off his hair. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like Hux could have been built as a really good example of what was wrong with the First Order that, you know, Kylo could have rebelled against. Anyway, um, yeah, that's, yeah, Hux was a I just found that so funny because I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> It's a classic trope with it's a classic trope with military. Yeah. Also, very last thing, a better version of the exchange between Kylo Ren and Rey on the desert planet. What I mean by that is, um, it's basically the same thing. They're talking to each other through their force connection, but the idea came across in the book that they were also communicating through imagery that had come before. That that's come before in the last two movies, such as Ray conjuring the image of Kylo Ren killing Han Solo, whilst Kylo Ren keeps harkening back to when Ray was dumped on Jakku. Um, I actually like the idea in the Last Jedi, where when Ray closes the door to, um. Kylo Ren on the Falcon right before they take off from a crate that that was the severance of their force connection. Um, I like that idea. Uh, and the idea and, and also the idea that, that there's still one little thread left and they can't see each other in their, in the space that they currently occupy, but they can still kind of speak to each other and, like through imagery that we've seen before however it's been seen but it's imagery and i like that idea and it's a good way to me at least that you can do that towards the beginning of the film and like um and kind of see like like a nice little tiny thing of where of seeing how far they've come and like that's a good place to start for a movie for at least this movie in my in my opinion i think that's that i honestly thought that was a better like way of handling it than the movie did so i will give the book props for that in my opinion but and that then that's it we can go to the writers now no that's an interesting point yeah because I, I agree with you. When she shuts that door, the connection's gone. To think that it would be fractured later, yeah. Um, but yeah, so chapter five. That's where I'm at right now. And uh, they're on the desert planet, and they're. Then also, the book is moving. Is now starting to move as fast as the movie is. The book is starting to move as fast as the movie is, and now it's getting whoa. Um, getting that whiplash again. Um. <laughs> We still need to get to that Palpatine moment. I'm working on it. I'm, I feel like I'm super close. Um, anyway, so that's where we're at. Let's talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Zach, wake up. Uh, He's awake. It's fine. Go ahead, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> he saw right through me. Uh, okay, so... what? How long has it been since you've seen Raiders, Chris? Uh, good. Four years, I want to say. Four years? At least. When you watch it, do you watch it with the others? So when um, did I watch them like all in order, like all at once? Like, is that generally your thing with this franchise? Like, uh, no, some franchises no. eat them like potato chips. Some franchises, movies are better. Uh, no, I did not. Um, I kind of just watched this movie and yeah. When was the last time you saw the other ones? Um, it's around the same time. Okay. All right. Um, what did you think this time seeing it? Oh, it's great. Okay, so you, the thing that kept hearkening in my mind was you said that Spielberg was, in your opinion, was the greatest filmmaker alive. And I found the perfect argument for your case. And it was right as a lost arc. This movie's fantastic in every conceivable way. Um, just the way it's shot, it's scored, it's written. Um, the, like, just... Everything is just so. I have. It's been a while since I've seen a movie this good that I've enjoyed this much. Um, like I even noticed like nice smaller details that um I haven't seen that I hadn't noticed before, like the amount of shot glasses on the table in Nepal. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I had only seen the. Amount. I've only seen the two, the ones that were full. That's the ones that they want that they want you to focus on, not the ones that were all empty. To show you how freaking hammered Marion and the other dude was. Um, <laughs> and yep. I was like, "That's nice." Um, really. And cool. then there was a scene where Belloc and the um, the Nazi uh, captain were talking through the desert and then Sala walks through walks in between them with his face man like oh I never noticed that I thought it was just <laughs> some dude and um then the bigger one that I had missed was when the the ark burnt the crate that it was in on the ship it just burnt the Nazi symbol that was on the crate I'm like that is awesome that right there is awesome. Yep. Um, it just, like, I'm just like, it shows you Steven Spielberg's hatred for Nazis, and I'm all here for it. Um, it's a nice little almost fortune. like he's Jewish. Right. And that, 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 was, that was another thing, too. Like, um, all that came to, all that came to my mind, I was like, that is great. He hates him so much, he showed the swastika. It's like, well, oh, it's a symbol of hatred. There's actually it's a moment great. later. There's actually Film a moment later in the movie when, like, he makes sure that a Nazi points out how he hates the idea that they're doing a Jewish heritage at the end. Because yes. he's like, no, 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 right. Nazis are terrible. Right. Right. Um. Like. Uh, now, after seeing this movie, I now understand why he had like told Megan Fox, "Hey." out of line when she called uh michael bay a nazi and you and he was like nope out of line you you gotta go <laughs> now Ooh, i, I understand that 
I understand I that. It's Schiller's List, man. Like, oh Schiller's List goodness. is the real one. That's what I was thinking. It's like, oh my gosh, what are they gonna? Re- how am I gonna react to Schiller's List? The very, Dude, I, very the, depressing movie. Uh, let me. Put, okay, so yes, but I gotta say, Chris, I think that's the movie that's gonna solidify it. Like, I think every single movie we watch of his that's a, considered a classic is going to do that for you. As we watch this series, you're going to see maybe he can't make a perfect movie, but he does, he is the king at certain things. And I'm, I'm hoping to see like crusade in in a new light because of that too. But like, um, Schindler's list in the eyes of what you're talking about in terms of like how he feels about Hitler and the Nazis, like, and especially world war two in general, um, especially with saving private Ryan, uh, Schindler's List is going to rock you, dude, on two levels. A, as a filmmaker, and B, as a just a, a film about war and the casualties and the innocents that really suffer from it. And um, I, it's going to shake you, dude. Yeah. To, to give You're you an love idea, it. Chris, when I was in Hebrew school and I was 10 years old, they showed us Schindler's List because they wanted uh, to emphasize... When you were 10? Well, yeah, because they really want to emphasize how hard and terrible the toll that war was that's a good movie to explain it yeah i gotta be honest yeah well i guess i would show people it's a it there's a there's a real toll to the civilian loss of life from world war ii that will never be seen again and but like in terms of like uh uh not just I'm sorry. I was going to go back into Raiders for a second, but I'll let you go. No, I'm done. I'm, that's it. That's all I was going to say. I, I, I just think, yeah, it's potent in every one of his films. They're not really like... It's it's interesting to see like how they are... This kind of mirrors Star Wars in a lot of ways. How like the Fuhrer is like the Emperor. How the, the torture guy is like... Um, Darth Vader, how the Nazis were all like stormtroopers, how like Lucas uh, Lucas will hide behind that a little bit with sci-fi, but like Spielberg is like no, they're Nazis. Straight up. They're evil. We're gonna burn them to death. We're gonna blow their heads up. They're gonna die. Um, Another thing I noticed was I was actually kind of surprised at how fast this movie went. Yeah, it goes really quick. They, like, they really, this movie just... Yeah, this movie hits its beats really, really well, and it and it goes through them quickly and then moves on. It doesn't straggle too hard on any particular thing, which is and nice. And I had... Go ahead. Well, like I said, it's nice because the movie... what It's like, what, an hour and a half? Maybe hour 45 about? Uh, about two hours. It's two hours, yeah. Okay. So, like, it has a lot to cover in about two hours. I mean, he starts on this this Peru adventure, and then he goes back to the school, and then they're like, hey, there's Nazis. And then he's like, well, gotta go get the girl who knows all about the Nazi stuff. And then, and then they go to Cairo, and then from Cairo, they go to get the Ark, and then there's the submarine, and then it just, it's, it's... So... It's, Thing after thing after thing, and they're just moving, 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 and the movie just doesn't have the time to sit and and not play with much more than the beats that it has. Okay, so go ahead, Chris. Okay, so the thing 
um, during the truck chase, right? I was just thinking, like, gosh, we've come so far. And, and like, just, like, I was starting to think, like, wait a minute. We took the law. We took the wrong lessons from Raiders, I think. At least JJ did. Because here's my, here's what I was thinking. Because I was, that chapter in the Rise of Skywalker novelization rocked me. Like, that was nuts. And, um, I kept, I can't help, I couldn't help but think about the movie Rise of Skywalker. And, like, just how fast that movie went. Like, how quick that pace was. And they're just jumping around from this to this to this to this. Like, it's, this is like, okay. In this movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the scene where they're getting the golden idol, it like perfectly sets up the movie. Like the, it sets yeah. the tone. Um, it sets the main um, sets up the main villain, nice and sweet. And then they go back to the school, explain what the arc is and why the Nazis are after it, and all that. And then after that, movie goes, no questions asked. It just goes. Yeah. No questions answered. Um, well, the the thing, Chris, that I think is really interesting... Um, we took the wrong lessons, is what I'm saying. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The wrong yeah, lessons I, were learned. No, I agree. I agree. I think the thing that we've learned, most importantly, is just because you're fast-paced and you're bumping from thing to thing to thing doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad movie. It's how you take that time and, and do that. And I think the difference between this movie and Rise of Skywalker is this movie plays what's important smartly like we find out who uh indiana jones is in the first what i would say five ten minutes with that quick scene and then they really get into the nitty-gritty of why he is important and why it needs to be him to do it and they really set up the characters right and then from there it's 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 a race it's a race to the finish and i think that's what's always been the most ten minutes Ten minutes to set everything up, and then yep. go. Yep, and, and pass don't that stop it, until the last until the last. Yeah, time. yeah, and it's an obstacle course all the way through. And I think the difference with Rise of Skywalker that I noticed is that with Rise of Skywalker, they don't spend any time setting up because they assume that the first the, the two movies prior are going to do that for you, and they don't even necessarily talk about the two the 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 no, the, the, the direct movie. I'm talking about like. They ho- they're hoping that Force Awakens does all the heavy lifting to me, the, which isn't true at all. Force Awakens doesn't do any of the heavy lifting for this. And this movie has its race against time feeling because, you know, it's like, oh, we we got to find the Wayfinder. And I then... did not feel a race against time. I, don't feel, well, I did not feel like there was a race against the that's clock. That's the thing. They, they, don't, they don't make it feel like that, but they should because that's the idea. Is we have to find the Wayfinder to get to Exegol. So we can figure out what's going on with that and why the why the emperor is back. They set up a goal, which is a fine goal. Oh, the emperor is back. We got to figure out where he is. There's this wayfinder that tells us where he is. Let's go get okay. it. So no, 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 no. I can explain this. So it tried it tried to explain too much where it didn't need to. Yes, exactly. Okay. Underst- okay. Never mind the fact if they wanted to bring back Palpatine, fine, whatever. Sure. Okay, sure, yeah, just say that. he's back and you got to stop him. Go to places and get a rebellion going. That's what you do. 
Yes. They did the hard thing, right? Okay, it's been said everywhere. Alex has said it a hundred times. He said it probably in more words than I can count. Um, no offense, Alex. Um, and it's like, it just dawned on me. It's like, we, JJ took the wrong lessons from Raiders. Anyway, that's all I, I got to really say. I don't really think he even took the wrong lessons from Raiders. I think, like, he... he took the wrong lessons from Spielberg. <laughs> well, I don't think he took any lessons yes. from Spielberg, truthfully. Yeah. I see. Yes. Have you seen Super he... 8? Yes. I know. That's a J.J. Abrams get it. movie. I get that J.J. Abrams idolizes the guy, but like the the point that I'm trying to get at is that I think Abrams just took the wrong ideas. Period. I don't think it was exclusively right. Spielberg. I think like the idea of a race against time as your final movie is not a bad idea inherently. I think the problem is that he executed it the worst way possible. So my, then, so when I had that thought, I'm like, wait, so I had a thought, I was like, this movie's moving way too fast. And then immediately I realized I don't need it to like, I don't like, like, I don't need, it was like, this movie's, this movie's going too fast. Like I need like, like, Chris, you know, what you like, need? so, and then I realized immediately I don't need it to slow down. I have everything I need. Then I started enjoying it again. Yeah. Yeah, if you stop worrying about how fast the pace is going, you really enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, whoa, 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 go too fast. Okay, no, I don't need any. It's like, I don't think, okay, I don't need, I don't need all, just, I don't need. You're just along for the ride. Let's just it's go. Fun. Let's just keep going. Like. You, you know what you need, Chris? That movie's great. Chris, you know what you need? Top men. Men. Not women. Men. Top. No, top men. Oh, it's 1936, top men. We got our, we got our top men on this, our you're, you're who? Also, yeah, Karen Allen's great. Um, Karen Allen is, in my opinion, and let me rephrase here, okay? Do not take offense to this at all, because what I'm about to Alex say might be very blasphemous. But I think Alex, Karen Allen... Alex, do you have your sniper ready? I think mm. Karen Allen yeah. is better in this movie than Carrie Fisher was in the original Star Wars trilogy. No, I think they're both equal. Both I equally good. Clo- I think it's close, but I think Karen Allen's better. Well, I we, can have give more, you- we have more of a sample size with Carrie Fisher. Yes, I think Karen Allen's better, though. I think... I mean, I just... I think they're both great. Especially yes. Carrie Fisher... Especially Carrie Fisher in uh, Star Wars, the first one. Yeah. Yes, I think they're I both think Karen, great. I think Karen Allen's a little bit better, um, but I think her roles just uh, aged a little bit. Better. Uh, I think I disagree. We got, we got, um, I, I, I do think she is amazing in this too, and um, I do think she's good in the first one too. Um, and maybe it's just because you know I too closely associate with like, Carrie Fisher with my mom because like she's the same age as my mom and. You know, she's had mental illness like my mom has and, you know, a whole nine yards and all that nonsense. But um, I think that, um, I don't know, I just like Karen Allen a little bit more in this than I like Carrie Fisher in, 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 let me rephrase, in A New Hope. I think, like, Empire, she's great. I think Return of the Jedi is. Like I was whatever. about to say, if you're talking about all the movies she's in the original no, no, trilogy, no, 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 I was no. about to say. 
strictly speaking, probably New Hope, honestly. <clears throat> I think... Uh, okay, now you okay, now, okay, now that makes more sense. I, I think they're both great. I think they're both great for their parts. I think the moment Carrie Fisher shoots a hole in the wall and is, like, jumping into a trash chute, and they follow her, that's amazing. Like, when you look at this, like, yeah. Like, the moment she drinks out... The, the entrance of Karen Allen in this movie is so amazing because it's a great character entrance. And then here's the thing. They just wrote in the script that she's in a beautiful dress. They really didn't have a reason why she was in it. So they just wanted her in a beautiful dress later. So they had her they had her and the actor who played Belloc improvise the scene of her trying to seduce him and then drinking something that he had always had in his family and was used to. It was so strong for her that she couldn't outdrink him, connecting it to the beginning of the story. That was something that those two actors made up with Steven Spielberg to do. Like That's she actually cool. developed that character. Wait, she couldn't keep up with him or the other way around? No, she it, it, she usually outdrinks people, but she couldn't outdrink him. They were on par with each other because the brand was his family brand. He grew up with it. Oh, that's what was happening in that scene. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay. 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 That. I, okay. So I thought I thought it in a different way. I thought, like the way I had phrased it in my mind was. She was trying to get him drunk enough to get away because she has a higher alcohol tolerance than he does. She thinks he does. Yes. And she got... I did not get the... When I watched it, I did not get the implication of, like, oh, she's she's failing at what she's trying to do. I just thought she had gotten him drunk enough that she could escape and he was not in the state of mind to stop her. She wasn't in the state of mind to escape. So why was she trying to... Never mind, she was drunk. She was drunk, yeah. <laughs> That's a way to look at it, honestly. <laughs> wow. She, she w- was always planning to escape, but she's like, why isn't this guy drunk yet? Like, see. Then he's then she's like, "What's with this stuff?" And he's like, "It's my family brand." for me to analyze the scene since I have not had a sip of alcohol in my life. Well, no, it's just like he says it. She's like, yeah. "What is it? What is this stuff?" And he's like, "I grew up with it." Yep, that's a lot of drinking. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. Anyway, um, and hard drinkers back then. Yeah. I wonder when he started if he says you grew up with it. Oh, uh, yeah. Good point. That's hard. That's hard. Um, okay. There are genuinely funny moments in this movie. Like, yeah. that I absolutely love. Um, <laughs> of course, my dad's favorite character in the movie is uh, Mr. Katanga. Um, and <laughs> and like when Sala sings that, like that cheerful song after he got kissed by uh, Marion, uh, that was funny. And then everything on the boat between um, Indy and uh, Marion, where she flips the mirror and smacks him in the face, gets me every time. I paused the movie and laughed for like three minutes straight. It always gets uh, me. I thought that was too cheesy. I thought no, that was I thought it was the funniest thing. 
Ah, uh, worst moment in the movie. I mean, I think it's funny, but I think it's done so like cheesily. Like the scream and, then it's and you yell. go. Oh, and then the, uh, the yell yeah, was no. the yell was the icing on the cake for me. It's like bang. Oh. It's like ah. Thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I gotta be honest, guys. I hated this movie. No, <laughs> no I didn't like that moment. Uh, that moment's the worst for me. Um, that's the that's the one dated thing. I was like, this just does. This one's not aged well. That's the only moment. Um, you don't get scenes like the truck chase anymore. No, no, you get you get nothing but the truck chase scenes now. You don't get the stuff in between the truck scenes. But nothing anymore. like that truck scene. Well, you that's what that's what's a, well. I mean, well, here's the history of that movie in terms of this case. Like that's Spielberg. That's the point. He became the set piece king. That's why you watch Jurassic Park and it's all this stuff. But you wait for the T Rex to come out. You wait for the raptor in the kitchen scene. He is the set piece master. The entire last third of Jaws is nothing but a set piece. Like that's what this is. Like, I uh, a lot of the credit does go to George Lucas again, which is why I think he should have made the prequels. But like, um, Lucas took from serials. He took from weekly, weekly and monthly serials, which are hangovers. They were like the lo- episodes of Lost, where you wait, you 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 need to see what happens. So guess what the point of the, this movie is? Every single twenty minutes or so, they have a MacGuffin like it's fucking Transformers Two. Every MacGuffin changes. It's we we're looking for the the thing at the beginning. He's uh, that Belloc steals. Then we're looking for the uh, the Abner. Well, no, we need to find Marion. Okay, now we need to get. Where's that medallion your father had? Oh well, now we need to find the lost the Well of Souls. We're looking for the Well of Souls now. Oh, now we have the Ark now. Oh, now we're going for Marion again. Like it just keeps changing because every and the difference is every single scene has consequences. Like and every scene builds off that consequence. It's not just that things happen; things happen for a reason. That's the difference between this and Skywalker. Like Marion, the Mar- they find a monkey with the kids, and Marion befriends the monkey. But the monkey's the thing that's you know ratting on him. But the monkey continues to spy, and then she gets kidnapped. And he keeps the monkey, and you think it's going to continue to cause trouble, but nope, it actually leads to the fact that people are trying to kill him, and it makes it even more dangerous. Like. It's it inadvertently saves his life. Like everything has a cause and a reason for it. It may not lead to the plot of the movie, but the plot of the movie is like everyone's going for this thing, and then whoever gets it is gonna die. It's the Maltese Falcon, pretty much. Um, yep. That is also a thing that I also appreciated was like this movie handled like again, not just JJ. I think. A lot of movies took the wrong lessons from this one. Because how many plots do you get when um, this thing needs to, like, if this thing gets into the wrong hands, like, it'll be the, it'll mean, like, doom and gloom. Like, this movie, I think, doesn't handle that in a cheesy way. But I, if I'm not mistaken, you'll have to fact check me on this. This is one of the first movies to really do that. Um, like that whole like they're looking for a like that whole like um they're looking for a MacGuffin. If it gets into the wrong hand, like their whole motivation is if it gets into the wrong hands, it means like 
like bad no, things will it, happen. It's it's been done before. Not only has it been done before, it's been done before with Nazis in particular. Most okay. of the propaganda films of the, the of the late 30s and 40s are were like pulp movies about we need to stop the Nazis because if they get this bomb, then we're gonna the war's over and they've taken over. Like is this so, just a stop the Nazi movie? So to me, I think this movie handles it in a not cheesy way. Like they don't like they handle the tropes in a fresh way. I think. Um, cause compared to like today where it's just like, so in your face, um, um, like, um, like Indy understands what the arc is capable of doing. He gets it. Eventually he gets it. And he's like, this should not be handled by people. And then it was towards the end when they're tied up. He's like, don't look at it. Indy wants to look at it. He wants to see what happens. He like he just wasn't meant to. And he understands that. So he closes his eyes. And then everybody who wanted to, everybody who didn't shut their eyes, everybody else got consumed by the very thing that they were beholding and were searching for the entire movie. And Indy at the last possible moment backed down and said, No, I don't want this anymore. That's I, I, what was fascinating to me. Like that was good. I thought that was really good. I think Indy just had more hints. I think he always kind of got the... I think he understood, like, that these people... I think he understood it more as fiction. And because he did, he understood this, that these people shouldn't have messed with it. Because they messed with it, there was the wrath of God. And I think he always felt that. But uh, it does beg the question, what would have happened if he'd have found the Ark and, picked, and touched it himself? Like... There is actually a side, there are deleted scenes from this movie that um, give warnings that you can't look at and you can't touch it, which is why they don't touch it when they when him and Sala pick it out of the well of sold. They, they read it on there, but they cut that out of the movie. Mm. Yeah, just like... But like, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, I think this movie felt... You know, this movie was like, Made in what early eighties, right? Or like late or like mid eighties? You know, I'm I'm, sure. it's it nineteen eighty one. Nineteen eighty one. I remember. Okay, okay. All right. So here's the thing. This is the one of the first actual action movies ever ever made. We're talking like Predator, First Blood territory. So this is one of the like first action movies ever made like this. So yeah, there are a lot of movies that basically go truck chase and plane scene most of the time. Um, but this is the first movie to really ever do that well. So yeah, Spielberg is one of the greatest American filmmakers ever for how early that is. But it also has to do with George Lucas too. George Lucas knew that serials and how they worked when he was a kid could be applied to movies nowadays if you just handled them right. Um, wow. We're driven by character as well as plot. Because like Indiana Jones as a character, by both visual design and like him in general is really great like when he's like how are you going to get the arc out of the truck he's like i don't know maybe this stuff is like go along like, but then there are things that are on set like they all got sick they all got terribly sick on set like to the point where everyone was dehydrated and terrible and they were supposed to do an actual fight scene with the swordsman and instead he was so sick that harrison was like can i just shoot the guy and spielberg was like hell yeah and so that's how that scene goes and that defines who he is as a character so much so that that shows up again in other movies. So, like, a lot of this is spontaneous and magical, and a lot of this is a collaboration of three 
very important people. Spielberg, George Lucas, and Lawrence Kasdan. And how that sort of magically came to be. George Lucas was finally on vacation after uh, Star Wars The New Hope came out. And he goes on vacation after that to avoid all the hoopla. And once he heard that the numbers were good and that it was a hit, he relaxed. And he was doing that with Spielberg. And they went to Hawaii. And when they were out there, he started, you know, he started bouncing ideas. And he told them about Indiana Jones. And then after they worked out it, after they came home, he, Spielberg said, I know this guy, Lawrence Kasdan. You should write with him. And then because of this, he had Kasdan come in for Empire. So, like, all three of these guys were just magical. And, like, not only that, Frank Marshall, the husband of Kathleen Kennedy, who was also the assistant of Spielberg here, like, all of these talented people came together to make this movie, and it's just magical. It's yes, amazing. Absolutely. Um, it was Best Picture nominated. It was Best Editing nominated. It was Best Direction nominated, I think. I don't know about that one, but the first two for sure. Oh, yeah. Speaking <laughs> of like, Oscars. Huge. Speaking of Oscars, like, really off topic. But when I was listening to um, the Ready to Rumble episode for, like, the upteenth millionth time, um, <laughs> you said that uh, you said Oscar-winning Norbit. Norbit uh, was nominated for Best Makeup. Only nominated, though. Oh, I thought it won. No, it did not win. Oh, man. I, I failed to recall what it lost to, but anyway, just off topic. Anyway. I mean, I could deal with Corona, but that Norbit thing was still way, keeping me up at night. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah. Um, this movie was a magic. huge deal. It was, uh, well, here's the thing. Like, I watched this movie a lot this week um, in fractions. I just kind of kept trying to start it and then getting halfway through. And then I would watch the second half and be like, I got to start it again. And then I remembered the story of the adaptation of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Do you know anything about that, Chris? Uh, not really, actually. All right. Okay, so oh, I, <laughs> I, that's, I highly suggest you watch this before you watch Temple of Doom. Because it's two things in particular. It's the, leak I, it's the link I sent, which I feel really bad for saying this. But I want you to watch it as soon as possible. But people should go to their website and pay for this. Because you get it in full. But the way I'm telling you is to get it fractioned. And I'm going to tell you why. So this is the story about three kids who for seven summers remade this movie shot for shot. So you watch them grow up throughout the movie as they remake it shot for shot. 11-year-olds all the way through high school. And then they have a falling out right before they have one last scene to finish the airplane scene and they fall out as friends. And then they come back together by the time crusades comes back and they decide that they want to do it again. And there's a documentary about them trying to make that scene as adults, where they all have families and kids and jobs. And it, it's amazing because you get stories about how that movie got made and why they made it and why it was so important for them as kids, but how the movie was discovered in the first place. They, well, they have something called Buttonumathons at the Alamo uh, Draft House. What? So basically, it's 24 hours of film. It's straight. You buy a ticket for 24 hours of film in the theater, and people will sit there and watch nothing but. And it became such a big thing that like, they would start to premiere movies. 
at it. And this was the year that the two towers, Lord of the Rings, was going to be premiered for the first time at the Buttonumathon to critics and fans alike and people who could afford this. But they show other things at this thing. Weird things. Odd things. Things that nobody would know about unless you were passing around VHS tapes of the geekdom of weirdness. And they put out the 40 minutes of this adaptation that these kids made because it eventually got out there. And people went batshit insane, Chris. So much so that when they turned it off to play The Two Towers, the crowd begged them that we're going to go see this movie in two, in two weeks anyway. No, we want to watch that adaptation you were playing. And I'm telling you, Chris, the adaptation is magical. It's beautiful. I watched this movie so many times this week that I was starting to get bored of it. And then I watched the documentary. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Because I'd seen it before. I was like, yeah, you know what? I care about this guy. I care about this movie. And I care about them trying to finish the last scene. Because it's a harrowing journey, man. The weather was against them. Money was against them. Their jobs were against them. Time was against them. There was a dangerous sort of aspect to it that nobody expects. By the end of it, you don't—you really honestly don't know if they get it done or if getting it done actually was the right thing to do. It's great. And then I watched the adaptation because I had never seen it. And yeah, dude, it highlights how fucking good this script is. When even a, little, a bunch of little kids are making it, it really is compelling. But also... You are just like, yeah, dudes, do it. Make it. And you are so, you just want them to complete it and you just enjoy every second of it. It's so, it's so campy. It just looks like a home video, but also like it's Raiders. It's amazing, Chris. You just, it, it really reminded me again why this movie is amazing. Why it's so important. Why it's so important to everybody. Why it's such an important aspect to not only action movies, but adventure in general. Why should we should all be hunting treasure? Why Tintin doesn't work and why this movie does. But they're both the same character. They just are there for the adventure. They just want to go out there and they want to do it and you want to go with them. I, I highly suggest you watch it, dude. Both of them. The documentary and the adaptation, they are so good. They're amazing. Especially since you're, in the, since you're as jazzed about watching this again as you are right now. All right. The documentary. Listen, listen. Okay. I will do it. As soon as possible, I will do it. I, I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed by the documentary. And if you want to watch Did the you send the link for the documentary or the actual adaptation? No, the actual adaptation is what I sent you. But this is what okay. I suggest. Watch the adaptation first. Okay. Because it doesn't have the plane scene in it. And then you watch the documentary. It explains all the great things about that movie you just watched. And then you watch them make the plane scene. And then you get to see the plane scene at the very end. And you're done. And it's just beautiful. It's such a good pairing of film and documentary. And then if you want, Raiders as well. It's a great three-part film kind of afternoon if you want. But I love it, man. It's just watching... You're going to be shocked when you see it. Like, they really set rooms on fire. They really do the truck scene. They they really get a submarine. Um, yeah. They make raiders. 11-year-olds to 18-year-olds for seven years. And then they come back as adults. Dude, the beginning of the documentary is them going up to a guy. And they're just like, we want your money. We want you to invest in our movie. And he goes, you're telling me you want me to invest in something that I 
I'm not going to see my money back. And they say, yeah. And he's like, why would anyone ever want to do this? And then they show him. They show him clips of the movie. And they explain this little video pitch that they have. And he looks and he goes, other people would have given up. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm in. And then he writes him a check right then and there. Because you're just in it, man. You're just for these guys. They have to get this done. It's great. And then you hear stories about how hard it was to make Raiders in general, how everyone got sick, how people were shitting their pants on set because of how sick they were, how hard it is, how much money they threw into having something that big and spectacle. And then the guy walks up and he's like, these kids didn't choose to make um, some like whatever film. They chose to make the most expensive, innovative, forward thinking, spectacle filmmaking of its time. And they succeeded. But then the story of like these two, like the three guys in general, just amazing. And now I can't wait to follow this series. I can't wait to like, I, I, I can't wait to take about my thoughts about Temple of Doom. I can't wait to go back to Crusades and like, I don't think the fourth one's that bad. This is where it starts. I we are gonna that, find out. <laughs> I honestly think we should have started with Temple of Doom. I'm going to have my arguments for that next week. But this is this is it. This is the definition of a lot of things. You're right. People took the wrong things from this. But it also it inspires so many people just for the sheer fun of it. The fun of it. It's such a good time. Um, I also was thinking about like another like one more note on like we took the wrong like people took the wrong lessons from it. Just the idea of a franchise period. Like I was just thinking like as like after the after the whole thing in Nepal and they're traveling to Cairo, I was thinking like what would the world be like if this was just one movie? If Ra- if Raiders was all we got. It would be pretty tight. It would be pretty solid because they all like her story, her arc and his arc match, and then you have Belloc. You have the Nazis as the main guy, bad guys, but he gets rid of his arch nemesis. He finds his true love. He basically um, redeems uh, her father's work as well as his. He finds out that his work means something to him, but also that he doesn't know everything. And they end up together in the end. And and not only that. But they nihilistically show that for all of his work, getting all of the stuff, for all the people who died, it was just so that they could put it in a box and throw it in a bin. To me, that actually presents a like a, an actually like compelling argument. Like, is the arc better off like away from like away from society, or like should we actually re? Should, should it actually be put into the eyes of like, or the, should it actually be like researched? Like, well, here's, that's, the difference between like, like government, I, like bureaucracy aside, like that to me was actually like a really compelling question. Well, to me, I was thinking about that too. And I was thinking about why, why Indiana is pissed at the end with his friend for not getting it in the museum. And there's a difference between like, re, like, yeah, you can study it and stuff like that. Um, and put it in the museum, but like um, he now, now that they know the dangers, they can 
do that. And it's just like what Indy stands for. It's like he's one step away from Belloc. It's like he wants it so that the world can study it and research it. And Belloc was like that too. But he's like, then we can use the power. And he's like, well, I want to know that it's powerful. I Probably really shouldn't know. do that. Yeah. And like the government is like, no, it's a huge nuclear bomb. And we're just going to have to put that in our back pocket here. And it sort of makes you think that what Indy is doing. Oh, wow. That's a harrowing thought. Exactly. Right. That's the thing. Like, is it all for not? Was all this just, is Indy doing all of this for nothing? All of these trinkets, all these things he picks up. And it's kind of the same thing because that's the beginning of the fourth movie. It opens in the warehouse where the Ark is put. So I just want to point out, and and Chris, I, I probably have talked about this before. And Alex and I definitely have this conversation, but I want to blow your mind a little bit about this movie a little bit, okay? It'll blow your mind. So, Chris, this movie, the plot of this movie is completely irrelevant to what Indiana Jones does. Nothing does matters. No, 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 Alex, you wait and let me finish this this before you chime in. You can say it, but I don't, but it's not true. It's a big dang episode of bullcrap. Not true. So here's the idea, Chris. Oh boy. (laughs) Mommy and Daddy are gonna fight. Exactly the same. Eventually, play with your Pokemon. (laughs) Eventually, go ahead. No, no, no. Let him finish. Let him finish. Alex. Eventually, (laughs) I know. I know what you're saying. I have a fair argument for this, but go ahead. Eventually, the Nazis would have found Marion at some point and gotten. The the medallion. They then would have figured out where the well of lost souls are, and they still would have taken it to the thing before presenting it to Hitler, and they'd still open and all die. What Indy does literally is meaningless. But here's the thing: everything that happens in the movie doesn't matter because it all would have happened anyways. It's not true because here's the thing: Indy finds Marion at the same time they do, and guess what? Saves her life. He saves yeah. her life. But, but, think about it this way. Five, no, 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 no. Alex, no, 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 Zach, 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 let Alex present the counterpoint. You're going to say that it's inconsequential to the plot. She is important to the plot because she is an important character. She lives because Indy saves her life twice. He saves her life when they throw her in the Well of Souls. Let's say they saved her until they found her in the Well of Souls because she finally gives the trick it away there and he so, saves her life again. Then, then, here's the thing. She's also new that they were taking the case and they were taking it to that island to test it. They knew that. So if everyone died on that island and they got there, eventually the Nazis would understand the rules to that thing. They would just keep throwing soldiers at it until they figured out what the problem was. Then they would harness the power. So sure, Indy that, does, in fact, get into the right hand. But that already ends the, the plot of the movie. The point that I'm trying no, to get that at... May end the plot of the movie, but it doesn't end the plot of the arc. The arc is finally oh, sure, turned to the right sure, hand. Sure, but we're talking movie. about the plot of the movie so here. The, the arc is in the right hand. <laughs> sure. So I, I, Alex, that's an Alex, episode and let me, let me counterpoint you again on this one, all right? <laughs> so, so, Indiana Jones didn't take this and this all happened the same... Karen wouldn't have had Karen Allen's character wouldn't have had an offer from Jones, or she wouldn't have played the game with the Nazis. She would have just said how much she got, and they would have said, "Here's a bunch of money." She would have said, "Come back tomorrow." 
And it was an evil Nazi interrogator that wanted uh, yeah, to punish her. That's she was also not going to give that thing away for cheap. She, it, that guy was not going to go in and sell it to her. That thing was important to her. And if she knew that these guys were coming there to grab it, that other people were going to grab it too, and then it meant something. That's why she looked at him and said, I'm your goddamn partner. She knows that thing's he's running. And like Indiana, she's going to go for it herself. She's not going to give it to the first person who walks into her thing with a bunch of guys, which she tried to play him. But also, that, that was the wrong move. She didn't know the guy was ready to, like, burned her face she even says i'll tell you what you want to know and it's like yeah you're gonna because he wanted to torture her like she was gonna die he saved her life i mean even then even then let's say they keep her alive and she is the only one who can tell him what the medallion says till they get him to the well of souls then what she becomes the rape toy of belloc well let me rephrase here let me rephrase here I don't think she necessarily knew what was on it, and I think they still would have gone... The, the Nazis would have figured out a way to read what's on that. They already knew half of what was on it anyways, through their own means. Then eventually she either would have gone to Belloc, or they would have tossed her into the Well of Souls. Or they would have killed her right then and there until Indy saved her life. Maybe. Maybe Solo would nope. have saved her. No, Solo didn't say... No, they, he Solo took her already no, she was in Nepal when they found her. Oh, Sala sure. Was yeah. all the way I, mean, I was going to say, okay, so hold on, Zach, to add to, like, to, add to the argument here. Sala doesn't know who Marion is. Sure, but Sala, Sala as a character sit by and watch a woman like that get horribly tortured and like that. He wouldn't know. He's in an entirely different country in an entirely different weather. Well, we're assuming that they take her with. No, she was ready to torture her right then and there. I don't know. The, the whole... Yes, you Whatever, Alex. Let me have my fun with it, damn it's it. It's your turn. It's your turn to be tormented. Let me have my... Your turn. Look, just because, the big, just because the Big Bang episode says it, it's kind of... It's just like when in the movie <laughs> Pitch Perfect... It's just like in the movie Pitch Perfect... Just like in Pitch Perfect, when she looks at the main guy and he's like, Star Wars is a great movie with great music. And she's like, it's just like, he's like, Darth Vader is the best reveal of, like, of all cinema. And she's like, his name literally means father. Vader means father in Dutch. And he's like, oh, wow. But like, honestly, he didn't know that stuff when he made Star Wars. It was just Darth Vader. Like, it was just an interesting name to him that had nothing to do with fathers. So she's, like totally wrong. I just hate that stuff. Like, no, that Big Bang episode is crap. Listen, even if it's entirely meaningless, I'm glad I watched it because it was a fun. No, movie. no, 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 no. Doesn't no. matter. That doesn't take anything away from the fun of the movie. Yeah, no, it's super fun. It's like even if that was true, it wouldn't bother me either because Indy is a fun character who's just like along for the ride. It's sort of like if you were to watch a James Bond movie from the villain's perspective, you just see this guy constantly getting in your shit until all of a sudden everything explodes and you're like, who did this? And he's like, Bond. And you're like, oh, damn it. Like, this is the sort of the same thing here. Like, at the end of the day, he gets the arc in the right hand. Like, take Marion out of the equation, which everybody seems to do when they talk about that theory, which is weird. Super weird. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Nazis knew they were taking the arc to that island. 
It would have kept throwing people at it until that arc worked. If they kept realizing that people's heads were exploding and melting and their chests were like having this mysterious burning energy, they don't know where that energy came from, they'd realize the arc had power and they'd figure out the rules to it eventually. And then we'd all be fucked. That, that's the thing. Like, he gets it in the right hands. So, yeah, no, he does the right thing at the end of the day. But you're saying his actions are inconsequential to the plot of the film, which yes. is not. Mm, but it what kind are you of talking is. about? He gets the arc in the right hands. <laughs> he saves Marion's life several <laughs> times. I mean... <laughs> I think the Americans still would have sent somebody, whether it was Indy or someone else. But all right, whatever. They wouldn't have had time. Indy was the the one they sent. It. He was the one who was on the mission at the time. Like he was catching things at the right moment. Even if they didn't send him, and they sent somebody else, by the time that Indy was stopped, like let's say in Nepal, they would have eventually found the Well of Souls. The city was within their bounds. They would have seen it. They knew. They would have found it eventually. Like he just found it for them, yes. But he tried to beat it. He tried to get it out of there in time. But she escaping in that moment is what got Belloc no longer distracted and could notice that something was wrong with his digging. Sure. Anyways, so. Anyway. Sorry, but I just, I hate that theory. I heard it and I was like, that's bullshit. Why did they, why did they start an entire episode of they thought they were smart, and it's like, oh, dude, guys, you're on TV, man. That doesn't work. Mom and dad thought. People love Marion, but they hate the fact that, like, they just hate, leave her out of that equation. It's so weird. <clears throat> oh. I'm sorry, my mic was muted the entire time, and I was laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, your emotions are like all the extremities. I am a man of extremes. Do I will you that. have like a neutral oh, emotion? No, uh, only when I'm sleeping. I don't think he has a neutral emotion, Alex. I don't. I don't uh, who does these days? I mean, am I right? right? I <laughs> mean, there are some emotions I have that are very neutral, but like. I've only, I think I only ever hear Chris when he's like laughing like a madman or screaming like a madman. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he's pretty neutral at times. You got to get him in that neutral mood. You got to, you got to yeah. know how to drive. You have to, you know, have to know you hit that cruise control on Chris. Anyways, I think, I think we're at the point where we should give ratings. Okay. Uh, you know um, Kenny G. A plus. A plus. This is an A plus for you. We've hit our first A plus ever. <laughs> not this is our all. first A plus ever, right? No, it's not. What was the first A plus? Oh, probably a Star remember. Wars movie. Probably a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Okay, we'll take Star Wars out of the equation. As can you think of anything? I, uh, hang on. Let me go. Let me go back. Hold on. I think we, like, we gave Paprika A minus, right? At the end of the day. Yeah, he's I think maybe Saving Private Ryan. That movie's so good. Mm, that makes sense. What about him? And then John, so Spielberg. You're just a Spielbergian. I'm, I think I'm a Spielbergian. Like, I think Spielberg. Oh, let, me go, let me go over to Anchor. 
Let's do that. Um, Endgame, I think, maybe? Wow. Yeah, okay. I think you gave yeah, Endgame an A+. Wow. I don't think we did. I did. I know. I think I did. Well, this is a matter of what you did. It's what all three. No, what I, I literally just. I'm uh, I know Chris, for yeah. a fact. I know for a fact we gave Norm of the North an A plus. Um, uh, oh shit! I like it's so fascinating to me. Like you said it yourself, Alex. Like that movie triggers you, like automatically. Like that's your like like if like in Captain America: Civil War. Like if they put you in that chair instead of Bucket, all we have to do is recite dialogue from Norm of the North. And that's all we have to do to activate you. Oh man, don't do that! Like people <laughs> will die. Like Jesus. accidentally shoot stuff. What are you talking? I love Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> um. Okay. So A plus. Uh, I would say. Okay. So I'm trying. To oh my god! Here. I completely forgot that we've been recording this for like three years. Well, you had to like bring. I had to have that meltdown about Plagueis though. Out, Chris. That was, that was Chris. on me. Don't get Chris. me started again. Do not get me started again. I will. It will happen again. I will go off again. <laughs> Let's finish this. Talk, we'll talk about that off here. We'll talk about that off here. Um, I'll trigger you I off would, here. I would say, um, it certainly at this point is the my from what I can recall the best Indiana Jones so far. Crusades is like. I haven't seen it in so long. There's a lot of things I remember, and it may be better. Um, it may just be a sharper, funner Indiana Jones movie. Is it a better movie? I don't know, but I think what's important is that this was made in 1981. This was yeah. made in 1981. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to go A+. Plus. Yeah, I think it it's an A plus. I mean, I, I'm like tempted. I'm like tempted to throw it between A A plus. I I don't believe in the A plus anymore, but that's because the United States education doesn't believe in the A plus anymore. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is definitely somewhere up there, pretty close to one hundred percent. I maybe a ninety eight, maybe a ninety seven, but it's up there. Mm. it's I've got you got to understand Alex I love a lot of movies and I believe me I, I I'm a diehard for this movie I actually own the whole franchise it's I'm like sitting there staring at it, it with its holographic the holographic sleeves in, with Raiders Temple Crusade and even the one I don't like I even own the one I don't like um I mean, it's a common, popular franchise. Everybody loves it. It's just, here's the thing. Like, I'm interested as but we Alex, continue. Alex, here's the thing you got to understand about me, though. How much version you're There are all very, very few franchises that I own the whole franchise, though. Indiana Jones is one of those franchises. I think it's, to, yeah, of course. Yeah, I think it's up the, there with the class. The other yeah. one I have is Lord of the Rings. Uh, I own the original parts of the Caribbean trilogy. I didn't buy the next two. That things. does not deserve to be up there. No. Well, one, two, and three do, but the rest no. No. Uh, we're talking. We're talking series here. No. Sure. Um, I own the entire Harry Potter franchise, uh, one through eight. I don't own Fantastic Beasts though. Gee, I wonder why. Because <laughs> it's bad. 
Um, I don't own all of uh, of the New Planet of the Apes, but I really need to buy Warf, to be honest. Um, I own. I don't own the entire Avengers trilogy uh, films, so that's so, a... uh, let me. I I I, I was oh. gonna say. Oh, wait, do no, you don't. own all the Marvel movies? I don't own all the Marvel. You think I want to own twenty two movies? Yeah, because you own probably more than twenty two movies already, right? Uh that's a good question. Uh, I will get back to you on that. I'm gonna count them real quick. Gonna say you shouldn't take that long to count to twenty two. Um, so Chris, how long has it been since you've seen Temple of Doom? Oh, it's been same amount of time since uh since I've seen Raiders. Honestly, you watched all four of the movies at the same time, exact same time on four different. Probably at some point, I think. Okay, so that must have been really confusing. Um, well. I did see Temple of Doom recently this week as well, so I already have a very fresh idea about my thoughts. And, uh, but I do, um, it begged a very interesting question to me, which is, would you rather, as we're starting at this point, and I'm going to ask this again next week afterwards, as we watch each movie, would you watch this chronologically or would you watch the production? Uh, I would have started with Raiders. I'm... (laughs) I own close to 100 movies. Let's go. I think I own more than 20. Want to own more than 20 movies? 22 movies. I, I own I own like 93 movies, and that's including like all the collections that have like a bunch of films in them. Because well, I can I just, own like I completely I forgot, Alex, that I got the entire Home Alone franchise from work from from Imagine Theaters for free. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, yeah, one, two, and three. Oh, there's more. There's more than that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, I own the original trilogy, and then on that, but uh, the original three. Um, All right, so, so next up, we've got Temple of Doom. We've got uh, Short Round. We've got a lot more um, violence against children. And uh, we got a lot more screaming women and uh, racism. So it's going to be fun, guys. I, uh, you know, the funny thing is next week we get to talk very briefly about Goonies, which is like one of my favorite 80s movies. I've leaned. I think that's a fine movie. I think that's a fine movie. Oh, and that, by the way, Alex, those those like 93 movies I own is not even including some of the TV shows. Like I own actual all of lost and all of game of thrones and about six seasons of supernatural (laughs) so oh oh my god oh pardon my french i didn't even count what's on my itunes (laughs) i haven't even used my itunes rentals or buys in a long time i uh I completely forgot about my iTunes. Uh, so I got to check what I have there, actually. In the meantime, let's probably close out, right? Because I'm, I'm still recording. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do that. So <laughs> next time, everybody, Temple of Doom, as we continue through Indiana Jones. So say goodbye, everyone. Bye. Anything goes. And- so...
I yes. tried to find the Transformers meltdown to close out this show. Um, so and I so, and the audio is not that good. So Alex, I'm still recording uh, the outro. Shut up. Um, uh, so yeah, um, five penises being slapped in uh, Alex's face. I That's mean, all I gotta say. Goodbye, everyone. I mean, that is something I said, but out of context, it's a bit weird. I'm just saying it's in a warehouse and about Transformers. Penises every other day. And I know that, okay, let me just clarify this. I'm in a warehouse. I'm handcuffed to a chair. A man walks in every day, every week, and this happens for five days a week, and he just slaps me in the face with this penis, different size penis every day by the same man. It's magic. I don't know how, but it's all supposed to imply that I'm supposed to be more of a man in some way. I fucking hate those movies. What do you want from me? What do you want? Michael Bay, what do you want? I'm a, I'm a beta male. I'm a beta male. I, I admit it. I'm a beta male. I'm a Shia LaBeouf. I'm a Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I'm going to shout the booth. Is that okay, what you want me to say? I hate you. I hate you. You are a knock. You're, hey, you're in my tree. Um, <laughs> all right. Goodbye, everyone.